Welcome to church. This week, Pastor Doug is continuing our sermon series that focuses on Alpha. In Alpha, we'll be exploring some of life and faith's biggest questions. Today's sermon will follow the question, Who is the Holy Spirit? If you're new here, we'd love to get you connected with our community. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting HELLO to 587-323-1199, and we'll respond right back. We're so glad you could join us today. Who is the Holy Spirit? I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. Spirit of That's a tough one. Um, it's... Uh... God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. They're all like a trinity. Angels? I don't know. It's, it's God. I think the Holy Spirit is different for everyone. Wouldn't that be your conscience? Huh, I have no... I don't really have a... a Lara, I don't know. I don't know who the Holy Spirit is. I mean, I don't know. Third person of the Trinity? Um, the Holy Spirit? I've never even really put much thought into that. Good morning. Welcome, church. Not welcome to church, but welcome, church. Do you know that each and every one of us here is the church? All of this around us is just the building. But we, each individual here and even watching online, we are the church. And do you know how much we need each other? We need each other for encouragement and advice and affirmation. And you know what? We even need each other for disagreement. I know, that's kind of a hard one to swallow, but that's how we learn to walk in unity. That's how we learn to, to walk in love is, is that we don't agree on every single thing, but we put those things aside. And So with restrictions lifting or lifted, or it's hard to keep track these days, uh, it's encouraging to see people who haven't been here maybe in a few months or maybe a couple years. But um, it's so, so important that we come together as community. And if you're a little nervous, we have a a lower auditorium downstairs. And if your kids have challenge uh, sitting still, we, we have that space for you as well. So we want to encourage you, all of you and you watching online, we want to encourage you to find your way back to us to find your way back to your family because we miss you and we need you. So, speaking of kids, they always say the funniest and the most honest things, especially when their observations are mixed up and they're unintentional. So, kids said the following things about marriage and family. Okay, so this one little kid said, a Christian should only have one spouse. That is called monotony. (laughs) Honey, I didn't say it. Okay, I didn't say it. It was a kid who said it. So, Um, Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. 
Noah's wife was called Joan of Ark. And Solomon had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. And finally, parents of little boys especially will understand this one. One little boy said, The greatest miracle in the Bible is when Joshua told his son to stand still, and he obeyed him. So... Welcome to week eight of our Alpha series. Just a reminder that we're, the reason we're doing it together as a church uh, is to familiar, familiarize you with the Alpha curriculum and the presentation so that you would be comfortable hosting or participating in uh, an Alpha small group that will enable us to reach others for Christ. So in your bulletin and later on the screen, there's a QR code that you can scan with your phone. I think it takes you to an advertisement for Oilers tickets or something first, but you got to get past that. And then at the end of the service, there'll be uh, people wearing red shirts with the Alpha question mark, and we're going to get you to fill out a survey on the whole Alpha series coming up. So we appreciate your participation. If you're not comfortable doing it on your phone, they'll help you out in the foyer at the end. So Um, This week's topic is, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And as a matter of fact, um, the next two Sundays as well are all about Holy Spirit and exploring how he's at work in people's lives and how he desires to do an even deeper work inside of us and how we can learn about and ask for and how we can receive everything Holy Spirit has for us. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, when we pray or we baptize someone or if you come from a more traditional or orthodox background, you've often heard in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Yet, the Holy Spirit, the the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, the third person of the Trinity... um, often seems like an afterthought, and sometimes our understanding is a little bit foggy, and we may think of him as a a vague supernatural power, the force, or sometimes unnerving, sometimes unpredictable, and often ignored or even feared. But in the Bible, the Holy Spirit isn't a force, isn't like Casper the ghost, but rather a person, gentle, and full of love that you and I can know personally. He isn't an optional extra either. He's front and center, and not a recent invention. The Holy Spirit was around from the very beginning of creation, and all of creation was made by and through him. So our first point this morning about who is the Holy Spirit is that he was involved in creation. He was involved in creation. So the Holy Spirit was hovering, waiting to do something new, not only to bring order out of chaos, but as the Creator Spirit was waiting to breathe life into creation. In the beginning there was God. The earth was empty, formless, dark, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. 
And God said, let there be light. So there was day followed by night. With each new day came new creation, vast oceans, the vaster sky, the earth green and growing. The Spirit of God, the Creator Spirit, brought out of the chaos the cosmos, out of disorder, order, out of confusion, harmony, out of deformity, beauty. The cosmos, galaxies, the sun, the moon, and every star, creatures of every shape and size to swim, fly, and roam the land. Then God created man and woman in his image and breathed life into them. Nothing speaks to us about God like creation. It's so incredible. The second point about the Holy Spirit is that he came upon particular people at particular times for particular tasks. So in the Old Testament, God sent his spirit specifically upon his particular chosen individuals to give them gifts and abilities for a particular time and a particular purpose to fulfill his plan and his work on earth. So in Exodus, we see that God sent his spirit on a man named Bezalel, giving him the gift of creativity and artistic knowledge to craft and shape precious metals and gems into art to help build a house for God's presence. And then in Judges, we, say, we see the spirit of God came upon Gideon, who was a weak and a, a fearful man, but he became a brave warrior who saved God's people after the Holy Spirit came on him. We also see that God sent his, his spirit powerfully on Samson to give him extraordinary physical strength on several occasions to break the ropes and the bands that his enemies had used to bind him and to bring deliverance to God's people. And God filled others with his spirit of prophecy like Isaiah to be his mouthpiece, bringing direction and good news of hope to people. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound he also came upon Ezekiel and he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to follow my laws and be careful to do what I tell you. Through the prophet Joel, we learn who this promise is for and how it will happen. Joel says in, verse, in chapter 2, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Amen. God's promise was that he would do something new, not just for particular individuals at particular times for particular tasks, 
but for everyone, for all people, regardless of their position, regardless of their age or their gender or their ethnicity or their race. Then, with the birth of Jesus, it was like a trumpet sounded and everyone surrounding the birth of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, John the Baptist, and then Jesus himself at his baptism. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form. And full of the Holy Spirit, he began to teach, to heal the sick, to bring freedom to the captives, to heal the brokenhearted. And so often what happens in the Old Testament in just a a physical or natural way happens in the New Testament in a spiritual and in a supernatural way. And as Bezalel was given new skills and creativity to design and, and craft the temple, the Holy Spirit always brings new things into our lives. New attitudes, new desires, new ways of worship. So whatever you do in your realm, in your workplace, or in your interaction with people, the Spirit of God wants to fill you with His ability, with His creativity, with His wisdom. And like Gideon, God uses people like us who feel weak or inadequate or ill-equipped. And even as God's Spirit gave Samson physical strength to break free from physical bonds, today the Holy Spirit brings freedom to break the habits, the addictions, the things that keep people spiritually bound. So the counselor, the helper, the gift giver, the guide, the Holy Spirit softens our hearts. He takes away our hearts of stone and he gives us hearts of flesh. The Holy Spirit helps us to break free from the habits and at the same time also harnesses a new desire to love and care for others. And to those who help need help, like the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, he can use you and he can use me. The experience of the Holy Spirit is not only about what we feel, but what but also about making a difference in this world. At the age of 21, Jackie Pullinger boarded the cheapest ship she could find, stopping off at the greatest number of countries and prayed to know where to disembark. She arrived in Hong Kong in 1966 when the Cultural Revolution was beginning in China and a flood of refugees was about to burst across the border into Hong Kong. More and more people crammed into a place called the Walled City, a small, densely populated, lawless area. Jackie Pullinger has spent nearly half a century living there, working with prostitutes, heroin addicts and gang members. In a talk she gave to a church back in England, she started by saying, God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. The trouble with so many of us is that we have hard hearts and soft feet. I think a soft heart is, I don't know how to explain it really, but you probably need yours broken in order for it to become soft. Um, and that's when you 
begin to realize that that the Son of God um, would have died for you if you'd been the only person. And then that the, the hard feat is to go on loving them, to go on loving them, to persevere. Amen. The Holy Spirit wants to give us soft hearts, hearts that are soft to him, open to him. The third point this morning is the Holy Spirit was promised by Father God, promised by Father God. Through the prophet Joel, we saw that God promised the Holy Spirit would not just be for particular people, for particular times, for particular purposes, that, but he would be for all people. Yet that promise remained unfulfilled for many years. And then as we mentioned with the birth of Jesus, we see a marked increase in the activity of the Holy Spirit. Everyone surrounding the birth of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. To Mary, the mother of Jesus, an angel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Then there's Mary's cousin Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. It says, when, Ma- when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Our fourth point this morning is the Holy Spirit is directly linked to Jesus. Directly linked to Jesus. John the Baptist was the first person to make the direct link between the Holy Spirit and the coming of Jesus. It says in in, uh, John chapter 3, it says, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The original word, the original meaning of the word uh, baptize was to overwhelm, to immerse, to plunge, uh, and that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to drench us, to overwhelmingly fill us. Sometimes you and I may feel a lot like a, a dry sponge, and you know, if you've ever seen those real sea sponges, they're kind of rough and they're, and they're misshaped and they're really dry and they can actually be kind of hard and crusty. And initially when you put them in the water, they, they don't necessarily soften right away. But as you leave them there for a little while, the edges begin to soften. They begin to absorb and more and more water. And the sponge is in the water but the water is also in the sponge. And when you lift the sponge out, the water is literally pouring out of that sponge. And that's how we're meant to be. We're meant to be full of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself was completely filled when he was baptized by John in the River Jordan. It says immediately the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And in a synagogue in his hometown, Nazareth, Nazareth, Jesus read the words from Isaiah 61, and he applied them to himself. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, 
that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. And on another occasion, Jesus went to a Jewish festival called the Feast of Tabernacles. And tens of thousands of Jews would go to Jerusalem to celebrate the the feast, to thank God for providing water throughout the year and to pray that God would continue to, to bless them and pour out water on them. And there at the feast, Jesus predicted the coming of the Spirit for all people. Says in John that on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever, whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus being glorified meant Jesus being crucified and raised back to life. He was saying that the promises of Jeremiah and Ezekiel would be fulfilled not in a place, but in a person, himself specifically. And after his death and resurrection, while eating with his disciples, he said to them, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, wait for the gift of the Father that my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. And so they waited. They waited and waited. It's like a champagne bottle has been shaken and shaken. And then finally, on the day of Pentecost, the cork flies off. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So something so amazing and so supernatural was happening that they didn't know how to explain it. They said things like, well, they've had too much wine. Or you know what? (laughs) They're just drunk. And then Peter got up and said, let me explain to you what is happening. These people aren't drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. This is the Holy Spirit. This is what was prophesied in the Old Testament. This is what Joel said in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then he says something even more amazing. He says, this is for you. This is for me. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
The promise of the Father, the promise of life, of harmony, of beauty for ashes, of creativity, of newness, of strength, of freedom and compassion and anointing of living water, the gifts of the Holy Spirit who once came only upon particular people at particular times for particular purposes is now for everyone. A famous quote about the Holy Spirit says, The Spirit is always awesome whenever He intervenes. He arouses astonishing new events. He radically changes people and history. So amazing. Throughout my life, even as a young boy, I remember moments when the Holy Spirit came on me so powerfully. One of the most recent times was about three years ago when I was at a pastor's conference and it was the evening time of praise and worship and someone would be speaking and then after that there'd be fellowship and free food and snacks at the end. And I could hardly wait for that part of it. It was so unspiritual of me, the free food and the free snacks. Actually, Pastor Bev and I have share a common bond in regards to this. Free food is the best food. I actually think many men share that trait. My wife, on the other hand, is very discriminating when it comes to the quality of her food. But nope, it's quantity first, quality second, and if it's free, it must be from God. But, sorry, a little bit of a tangent there. But by the end of the praise and worship, and then the message, and I don't even remember what the message was, I don't remember who spoke, I was so wrecked by the Holy Spirit that all my wife and I could do was go back to our room and I just knelt at the bed and I just bawled and bawled and bawled for a half an hour or 40 minutes. I was so overwhelmed by the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it all started many years ago at a summer camp in Montana where at 11 or 12 years old, the children's speaker prayed a simple prayer over me that went something like this. She said, thank you, Lord, that you love Doug so much. Please baptize him and fill him to overflowing with your Holy Spirit and with your joy and your love and your peace. And almost immediately, I began to feel this overwhelming sense of love filling me, God's love. And those moments of being overwhelmed by God's love and God's power have continued throughout my life. I was born in Hungary in the 1980s, and this was at the time when the country was still under the communist regime. And what this meant in terms of faith is that it was not discussed, not at the workplace, not in schools, not at home. And I grew up with the notion that religious people were disillusioned, uneducated, or just not very intelligent. In my 20s, I moved to England. One Sunday, a friend of mine invited me out for coffee. And it was really nice, but at the end of it, she said, um, I'm going to church now, do you want to come with me? And I really didn't feel like it. But then I thought, well, I have nothing else to do. I'll go along, and if it's too weird, I'll just leave. And to my biggest surprise, the speaker that night didn't seem disillusioned or uneducated. 
And actually, some of what he said made a lot of sense. So that confused me. But at the, at the end of the service, they said if you have questions about any of this, try Alpha. So that's what I did. I went along to Alpha and I listened to all the talks and um, I discussed them with my small group. And I must say I was the most cynical person in the group and I probably had most of the questions. And I think I was quite aggressive in my approach. But what really got to me is that they have loads of patience and love and they really took time to answer all my questions. I went back to church, but that night was different because it felt like as if everything was for me. The sermon, the prayers, even the songs. And at the end of the service, the pastor said, I feel like there is somebody here who feels broken. And I instantly knew it was for me because I had been feeling broken for a very long time. But there was no way I was going to go up to the front. <laughs> then he said, or you could echo this prayer in your heart. And then I, th and I thought, okay, why not? So I closed my eyes and I said, Jesus, if you are real, come into my life. And at that moment, the worship band started playing a song that kept repeating the line, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. This huge wave of emotion came over me and there was a huge warmness around my heart, like when a heart is being mended. And I never cry in public, but I couldn't stop sobbing. And I guess I didn't even have the time to feel embarrassed about it. A friend of mine came over to pray for me. And I didn't know it then, but I know now that what happened is that I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's, uh, let's stand together in, in closing. You know, everyone's experience looks different, but this is the amazing promise of God our Father that the gift of the Holy Spirit is no longer just for particular people, or particular times, or particular purposes. It's for everyone. And as a loving Father, He wants to fill each one of us, and He wants to keep filling us because we're humans. We leak. We leak with all the things we go through in life, and God wants to continually fill us up fill us with his love, fill us with his power and his presence. And as a loving father, God has free gifts for us. The first one is the gift of a relationship with him, a brand new start, the guilt, the shame, the, the hurt. He wants to replace them with his love and peace. And that might be the gift that you want to receive this morning or you need to receive. Then he has another gift for you, a free gift. He wants to fill you to overflowing, to saturate you like the sponge we talked about earlier so that you are dripping with his love and his peace. He wants to fill you to overflowing with his Holy Spirit. So symbolically, if you could hold your hands open this morning, I want to pray and 
I'd invite you to pray uh, along with me. And we're going to ask for God to fill each one of us. And we're going to ask to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. God, thank you that you love me so much. Jesus, come into my heart and my life. Fill me to overflowing with your Holy Spirit right now, I pray. I receive the free gifts you have for me today. Thank you for your incredible love and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Just receive it this morning by faith. And at, as always, at the end of the service, if you're desiring more of God, if you're hungering and thirsting for more of God, the altars will be open. There'll be people here to pray with you. If you need prayer for healing or anything else, please, the Holy Spirit is present here today to touch people's lives, to fill people to overflowing. And if that was the first time you've ever kind of thought about praying or if you have more questions or, or you want a relationship with God, you can text LIFE to the number you can see on the screen or you can come up and talk with someone afterwards. So thank you so much for that. Thanks for joining us. If you need anything, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find more information on our website, Facebook, or on YouTube and Instagram. We'll see you again soon.